Today's episode is brought to you by Miller Heavy. When you're hanging with the boys on a Saturday night watching a Knicks game, make sure to grab yourself a can of Miller Heavy. None of that light stuff. We here at Nickish F with Miller Heavy. With our new sweet, refreshing taste, you can forget about missing on that Bud Light, and you can crack open a can of that good stuff. This new formula comes with reduced fizz. So you can enjoy the game like the dog you are. Miller Heavy. Enjoy responsibly. Why Nickens? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickens is a brand. Alan Houston. Nickens being lowered. Once a neck, always a neck. Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to the Nickish Show. This is episode number 12. My name is Mo, and I'm here with Osama. How you doing, man? The Knicks are 5-6 and six since Miller joined, and uh, the Knicks aren't doing that bad. What's going on? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm good. I feel like we're missing one. I feel like there's there's something missing here. I, I can't put yeah, really... my finger to it. Yeah, I mean, I think we used to do this show with someone. Um, his name is just slipping my mind a little bit right now. Yeah, some guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll come back around. <laughs> well, yeah, he's 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 not feeling so well right now, so he might be joining for the next episode. Just for anybody who's curious about that, um, a little bit like difficulties on his side, but um, he should be joining us for the next episode. In the meantime, though, I'm excited to talk about these Knicks, man. Like you said, since Miller joined, they've been five and six, um, looking like the team that we pretty much expected before the season started. And I don't want to beat a dead horse by talking about um, any previous coaches the Knicks had or, or my feelings on said coaches, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit decent right now. We're coming off of two wins recently against both the Nets and the uh, Wizards. Washington Wizards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nets game was ended 94-82. Wizards game ended 107-100. And these are the kind of games that we expected out of this team. I mean, you expect them to beat teams like the Nets without Kyrie and KD, obviously, and then the Wizards without both John Wall and Bradley Beal. So these are expected wins, and it's just huge progress that we're seeing the wins actually come on paper. Right. But one thing I did want to just start off talking about is um, we predicted that a few of these players would start playing better um, with uh, Mil- Miller at the head, and one huge guy that we all discussed was Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. And... He now is off three straight games with 30-plus points. Mm -hmm. Um, In this last game alone, he had 33 points, eight rebounds, two assists, a plus 25 on the score sheet. Dude shot 14 of 26, uh, five of nine from the three. He's just, he's having a great overall all-around game. And I think personally, I've turned around from wanting to potentially trade him to maybe thinking we should keep him and and see how he progresses. Because now that we're seeing him not run the offense by ball handling, and actually seeing him be efficient in the pick and roll, I think we have a we have a good player on our hands that might be cost controlled at twenty million per. Yeah, uh, I do want to point out, my friend, though that was some alternative facts there. Those stats they oh. just said that was that was for the Brooklyn game, but yes, against the last against <laughs> against the Wizards game, he he <laughs> he made history. He he got third uh, thirty sixteen and six, and he's a third Knicks player in the last forty years who. Got stats like that. The other two were Amari Stoudemire and David Lee. You might be familiar with those guys. Now, I, I, yeah, 
I, I agree. I, I, I've been saying it from, from a while ago. I, I, I want to make a snippet from that time from two episodes ago when I said Julius Randle. You guys could not believe I was saying Julius Randle. But he, he is he's a guy, at this point in time, I, I think it won't be crazy for me to say he has been a top five player of the last 20 years for the Knicks. Would you, yeah. would you say that's crazy? Yeah, no, no, that's not crazy at all. Yeah. Um, Melo is better. Tyson Chandler, I'd say, is better. Amari might not actually be better than Julius Randle, which is kind of wild to say, given his all-star history. And mm-hmm. um, maybe like Allen Houston uh, and maybe Spreewell and David Lee. But I, I think Julius Randle, at this point, we can solidify him as you know maybe a top four Knicks player from the last 20 years just, just from these numbers. And when it, it goes to show, when you see him being coached correctly and he's being used in a correct system, like the way Miller's been doing, he will succeed. And um, at this point in time, he's he's 24, uh, 24 25 years old. Uh, he had one big injury his first year, his first game, and since then he's been rock solid uh, in terms of his, his injury history, knock on wood. And since then he's like he – he can get any basket he wants at this point. He he's 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 starting to become a closer. We saw towards the end of the Wizards game when the Wizards were creeping back, he was getting the buckets for the Knicks, and he he's able to score almost. I don't want to say at will just yet, but he's able to. Uh, he had, he can shoot the three at a fairly respectable uh, rate right now. Um, I believe he's sh- he, about thirty five percent. I believe is what he's mm-hmm. doing. I I could be wrong. Uh, and we know that he can dish the ball, he can find the open man, and he can rebound the ball. Though his one main uh, disability at this point is defense, which is huge. He needs to he needs to play much better defense, at least get some blocks. But we know he is starting to become more confident. His defensive rating isn't horrible, and yeah, I think there, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot of promise for Randall right now. I think we should qualify a little bit of what you're saying with the fact that yeah, he might be I would say probably a top ten player for the Knicks in the past twenty years, and that's. That's mainly because we haven't had that many good players walk through the door. Um, yes. I will also say he's just balling out right now in general. I, I am a little bit more hesitant to, you know, uh, praise highly someone who doesn't, you know, bring that effort on defense because if you're leaking as many points as you're scoring, you're not really providing that much value to the team overall. But recently by him limiting the turnovers, I mean, I know the last game wasn't a good example of that where he had five, but limiting the turnovers overall, um, has been really great. I think using him in a more limited role where he's actually able to uh, make quicker decisions, whether to drive down low, post somebody up, or just shoot from the three, he's been more efficient that way. And he's actually, um, Mike Breen touched on it um, in the past few games commentating, but he's actually letting the game come to him a little bit more. By mm-hmm. not handling the ball so much, he's able to survey the floor, make sure he's making the right pass or right, the right decision. We're seeing a lot less of those boneheaded plays. But one point that you brought up, again, obviously, was his poor defense. And do we want to move forward with a guy who's poor defensively starting at the four? I know we have Mitchell Robinson playing aside him who can clean up a lot of those um, you know, shots at the, at the rim. But like Mendy said, a lot of people want to see R.J. Barrett move to the three full-time and have him play kind of that LeBron, Doncic point forward role. And if that happens, then you have to make sure for a fact that we're we're starting a point guard and a shooting guard that can both shoot and create and defend because at that point we have to make sure that Randall and Barrett who's still just I would say a slight net positive on defense um, that they're not leaking points from the forward spots because I think at this rate um, a lot of the scorers in the league play that small forward uh, 
point guard uh, roles. And so um, making sure that we have a good defender at the guard position and making sure that we have at least one good defender at the forward position is going to really help this team in terms of spacing a lot. Right. But it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, not to cut you off, but it's interesting that you mentioned RJ and Mitch Took because I think I read somewhere that the, these guys combined the trio has is has had the best net rating altogether. I could be wrong on that, but mm-hmm. I believe that that combination of Mitch, Randall, and RJ under Miller has been the best combination for, I mean, for that, the Knicks. Yeah, that checks out. That checks out the eye test, so I, I totally believe it. One yeah. other stat I wanted to highlight, and this is courtesy of The Athletic, was that uh, under Coach Fisdale, the Knicks finished 23.6 possessions per game with the pick-and-roll ball handler or a roll man making a play. And under Miller, that's up to 43 possessions per game. So we're almost yeah. doubling the possessions per game where either a pick-and-roll ball handler or roll man is making a play. And, and in a league where it's so dominated by pick-and-roll, it's just embarrassing to say that we only had 23 possessions per game previously where some kind of offense is coming out of that. Um, granted, that has to do with the fact that we didn't run as much pick and roll as we are doing now, but it also shows you how much more efficient this team looks out there. Obviously, we're not a good shooting team, so you need that pick and roll action. If we're not going to shoot like the Warriors, where they can all line up around uh, the three-point line and basically drive and dish, make sure that we have a good pick and roll game. I don't know why we're not utilizing uh, Mitch as much as uh, we weren't utilizing Mitch as much as we have now in the pick and roll game. Um, Now we're seeing less of a need for Taj, where he was the only good pick-and-roll big, to now seeing Mitch actually give effort when setting screens and and then finishing plays on the other end. So uh, I think overall we're seeing a lot of great positive signs from Miller. Um, Recently he's had maybe a couple of brain farts in in, in recent um, Knicks losses, but overall he looks and he's making the team look like like the team and coach that we expected coming into the season. Yeah, it's wild. All all these things that we're saying right now, like the Knicks Twitter verse, or like, like there's a good amount of Knicks fans who know what they're talking about, and all these all these things that we're mentioning right now, we've been saying it since Fizz has been here. We're like, we need to see more pick and rolls. We need to see Randall not handling the ball. We need to see more offense out of Mitch. He needs to play more minutes, and Fizz just wasn't doing that. And now we're seeing that under Miller, and suddenly the Knicks are playing better. Not great, but they are playing better. Um, Mitch is playing. Even though he's he's committing the same amount of fouls as he was under Fizz, he's playing more minutes, and his offensive rating has gone up by 13, according to the NBA stats. And you know that that just goes to show that Miller, as a coach, he he's doing the correct thing now. Now now the debate it's not it's not even much of a debate, but there are those other fans who are still like saying that oh you know the Knicks are still five and a half games away from the eighth seed. Mm-hmm. I I, I would want to put that I, I'd put that shit to bed at this point. The Knicks are not making the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be even close to making the playoffs. What do you think? Here's the thing. I'm glad you touched on that. The Knicks so far being 5-6 five and six in the last 11 games, 5-5 um, five and five in their last 10 on a two-win streak, they're playing like the 35-40% to 40% win team that we expected before the season. Now, knowing that we started with so many losses... We're still at 9-24, and 24, meaning, you know, we can end the season on a 31-18 and 18 run and end the season 40-42, and 42, which gets you the 7th or 8th seed. Now, I don't know if you think ending the season 31-18 and 18 is feasible. I personally think maybe that's a little bit aggressive to consider, but 
it's a possibility. I, 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 I don't see it not happening. But I think what's more realistic is maybe ending the season somewhere in the 500% range, the 50% range, where we just split those games in half and maybe fall short in the ninth or 10th seed. But I think that's progress. Uh, if we finish the rest of the games, or at least under Miller's regime, finish um, at or a little bit below 500, that's the team that we expected coming into the season. And what we're seeing overall in the league right now is there's a lot of teams that are just... Some teams just look unbeatable, like the Bucks and the Lakers, and and even for us, like like the Raptors always have us, and the Sixers haven't gotten us that easily, but there's a few teams that look unbeatable, but then there's a lot of teams that look easily beatable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of teams that the league has been beating up on in general, whether it's due to injury or whether they're rebuilding. So a lot of teams that are missing their stars. So there are teams to win games against. So I, I think... Maybe we should pull up the schedule for the Knicks and, and yeah. see. Let me, so let me ask you a few questions. Mm-hmm. Judging from the last few years for, for the Knicks, what would you say has been their worst month? What month always comes around and always fucks mm-hmm. us? Oh, generally? Yeah, it's, it's generally by December, January. This, December, December, January, right. The Knicks have as much momentum as they would have ever had this season. Right now they have somewhat of momentum because this is their highest winning streak, a, a two-game winning streak. <laughs> their 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 January month, all those teams that you just considered unbeatable, they're playing all those teams in January. Every single team that you just mentioned, the Lakers, the Bucks, mm-hmm. the Sixers, the Raptors, they're all in January. They have they have a bunch of road games against these teams, and they're not going to do well in January. February they might do okay. March they might do okay. So my prediction at this point for the rest of the season, and I I truly believe in this right now. The Knicks are going to play like ass the next month. They're not going to win many games. They're going to do okay in February. They're going to do okay in March. And then they're going to have a fake comeback in April because m- most of their April schedule are against teams that aren't, are not going to be playoff teams. And then they're going to have a fake comeback. They're probably going to end up with 25 games at most. Maybe okay. 24. I think that, that's, that's fair. That's my ultimate prediction. That's fair, and I think that still would be – progress we ended the season the end of the season last year with what 17 wins mm-hmm. to add eight wins on top of that is, is good progress honestly you don't see that happen often i think at most you ever see like a 15 win boost for a team and that's that's still aggressive so i think it's fine i, I think it's a long shot for the knicks to ever finish 31 and 18 like i mentioned but i don't know what the team is even going to look like by the end of the year like you've seen right. all these rumors about potential trades the knicks can can do in what I want to ask you is, do you hear anything out there that you think is a likelihood to happen? And, and just to, to start, I know there's there's been a lot of uh, rumors from you know reputable sources that the Knicks are looking to trade or make a trade by the deadline and are very active and are willing to include anybody except for R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. So to me, that sounds that sounds right. That sounds like what I would do in, in that scenario. Um, what do you think? I hmm. all right. I, I there there are few things that I have in mind. I think I think January is gonna go so bad that mm-hmm. it's basically gonna be shutdown mode, and Marcus Morris will be gone. They're gonna go for assets. If they if the Knicks are so far gone that they don't trade Marcus Morris and try to get some asset, then that's gonna end up being a mistake. Because even with Marcus Morris, this is as good as he's gonna get if we're not playing like a great team. There's no need for him to be on the team at this point. And if he really does want to be with the Knicks, he can resign mm-hmm. uh, next summer. So I, I feel like Marcus Morris is going to be out 
he I has think to, he has to. we have yeah. to recoup something out of that and, and we can easily just tell him on his way out look we're we're gonna offer you a contract in the summer if you want it um you can come join us if you feel like it but right now we need to get something out of this right and then and then i think i think one of the point guards will be gone i don't think dennis i i have a bad feeling it's gonna be frank at this point dennis smith jr he if if steve mills is still at the front office in the next few months i think frank is gonna go um i think they're gonna want to keep dennis smith jr which i wouldn't blame them for i would want to keep dennis smith jr also i would want to keep frank but I feel like if they could get a late first rounder for Frank, they're gonna they're gonna let him go because Frank at this point he he has had a good chance this season. He has started a lot of games and that progress just hasn't hasn't been there that we were hoping for offensively, defensively. He's he's a beast and I would love to see him stay on the team, but I just I just don't think there's been enough progress yet at least for for it to to go, uh, to warrant a stay for him. If well, it's not were, those two, yeah. If it's not those two, then then maybe True True's only played. A handful of games this season he might he might end up going might get like a second rounder out of him well there were rumblings that um some players expect to be traded or have a- requested a trade before the deadline um one of them one of the names that keeps coming out for that is dennis smith what now to your point whether the team feels it's going to be necessary to trade him or whether it'll be trading too low and we wouldn't even get any decent return out of him i'm not so sure there are a few teams that have been rumored to be interested in him but i don't think they'll give us anything for him and at this rate, I'm not sure how smart it would be to just sell super low on him. Uh, mm-hmm. With a guy like Frank, maybe he will have some value. I'm sure he will have some value of, around the league for maybe a playoff contender that would want a glue guy like him. But, you know, it, at, at, at this point, I've been a huge Frank fan that I'm okay with recouping some value out of him. Uh, my only concern is that in this upcoming draft, I'm really not sold on anybody. And I don't feel like the solution is going to be in this draft. So to me... If we can make any trade, like the one that stands out to me the most is obviously the Carl Anthony Towns trade. And the my brain says it's very unrealistic, but my heart really wants it to happen. Um, <laughs> obviously, that'll probably cost us both our this year's first round pick, our own, which I'm personally okay with because nobody really stands out to me as a, a clear cut good point guard option in this year's draft. Um, it would obviously cost us like at least one or two of the Mavs picks on top of that, in addition to a few of our young guys, names like Kevin Knox, Frank Nilekina, Dennis Smith Jr., and probably one of Mitch or RJ. And I don't see that. I don't see us wanting to do that. I don't see them accepting anything less. But if there's any way we can get Towns, I, and, and the other thing is, like, he doesn't have any leverage to leave Minnesota either. He just signed last year the four year max contract. So. They can easily just tell him, yeah, we understand that you want to leave, but we're not going to trade you. We'd rather you stay here, and he has no choice. So um, I don't see a good scenario where that happens, but I would love to see us at least attempt to make a deal for him or for somebody who might be out there, like maybe a Bogdanovich from the Kings. Obviously, they didn't offer him the contract last last offseason because they spent the money on Buddy Heald. So um, I think we can make a run at a guy like him. It might cost us maybe... Um, one of the Mavs picks, which I'm okay with giving away, maybe plus a guy like Trier. Um, I'm totally okay with um, making that kind of an offer for a shooter like him. Um, but we just need shooting, we need defense, and we just need more young players that we're going to gamble on. I, I don't agree with trading away um, either RJ or Mitch, like the team seems adamant about. But at the same time, 
I do feel we need to like at least gauge the market for a lot of the players that we have, especially Julius Randle. As much as I, I actually want him to stay on this team, if mm-hmm. we can recoup a lot of great value based on how great he's playing right now, I think mm-hmm. it's just more beneficial for the team moving forward because in the next two years, uh, we're not going to be competing. So he'll, he'll be hitting free agency anyway again, and then it'll be a, uh, a, like a whole new thing. So I think we could just... we we're doing ourselves a favor by testing the market for every single player and just seeing what we can get what we can get back out of that but not selling low on anybody yeah i mean bogdanovich i i know he played well in summer but i'm not i'm not too crazy about him i I feel like he's going to demand a fairly large contract and i I don't think he's a kind of player that i would want to give a big contract to if it's if it's the next two summers if it's 20 if it's this year in 2020 that we're talking about i wouldn't I wouldn't want to take on any big contract unless it's a max caliber player like Carl Anthony Towns. Even Brandon Ingram, if he's available, I will try my best to get him. I think he might be a free agent next summer. He Could be, be wrong. Yeah. Um, be and agent. the Knicks are one of the few teams that have cap space for next summer. If he's willing to join the Knicks, that would be that would be awesome. I would be down to get rid of Knox and any player besides RJ and Mitch to get Carl Anthony Towns. I'm down to get rid of our pick and give up Dennis and Frank and Knox and all those players. Cat is way too good. Mm-hmm. Second best big man in the league after AD. I now, do 100- you trade Mitch in that scenario? Because, one, uh, they're probably going to ask for him. And then, two, I don't know about the fit with Cat. And then, three, that makes a guy like Julius Randle redundant as well. So, yeah. I, I like to I like to wish that they're gonna want to put Randall in the deal to make the money work, but that that's wishful thinking. If it's oh man, if it's Mitch, I mean, I, mean, I think it's already a great offer as it is with Randall, two to three picks and uh, Knox and Dennis Smith. That's a that's a good offer. I think that's a great offer. But if they if for whatever reason Randall is still with the Knicks and we they, we have to give up Mitch. I would do it. I would. I would. I would do it. Mitchell Robinson has a lot of potential for defense, but he's very limited on offense. Carl Anthony Towns is a whole package. This is this is like a like like a Lakers New Orleans kind of kind of yeah. trade, except New Orleans got a lot better players than than the Timberwolves would get <laughs> from the Knicks, and yeah, they got they got AD and their their chances of winning a title skyrocketed. This is also assuming that RJ Barrett develops to what we're hoping if he's on the team then he, mm-hmm. he and he and Carl Anthony Towns that's well I don't think that's a bad building block and if Randall's still there why not he's not gonna yeah, be here for much longer the other young players that we have I kind of have no qualms with RJ whatsoever I think more so than his play his attitude just convinces me that I have nothing to worry about with him mm-hmm. like I think he's just gonna get it because so far, he gets it on the floor. Like he makes smart decisions. At the end of the day, like he doesn't shoot himself out of games. He doesn't um, allow his poor shooting to to get in the way of his confidence driving to the rim. So he looks a guy full of confidence, a guy who can ultimately lead this team down the road, and he can handle the ball and pass and and surprisingly decent on defense. So I'm I'm not worried about him. Like you said, um, if we had to give a, give up Mitch, that would be a huge blow. But um, I'm not sure if the the pairing of Towns and Randall fits together, so uh, we might have to trade away Randall for other assets as well. Yeah, but and to, to add on to the RJ thing, I think a reason why it's it's exemplified even more on its confidence is because every piece that we've gotten in the last two three years, ha- at some point or another, showed 
the lack of confidence, and mm-hmm. it it resulted in poor play. We saw it with Knox. We saw it with Frank so many times. We see we see it with Dennis Smith Jr. all the time, and Mitchell Robinson even to a point he'll he'll get frustrated. And he'll start fouling left and right. RJ, we have yet to see something like that, and that's it's good for a New York team. Yep, totally agree. All right, well I'm excited for the trade deadline. I mean this kind of our playoffs every year at this rate. Hmm. I'm excited to see what ends up happening. Um, hopefully there's a lot of movement. I think Trier is also one of the guys that has probably complained and asked to be traded. Um, he just yep. seems like the type that um, would take huge offense to being played a lot of minutes last year and then this year not getting that many. Um, but he, I, don't, I personally don't think he has anyone to blame but himself in terms of his demeanor, the fact that he hasn't gotten along with a lot of the players that he's played with so far. And it just seems like he's a type of guy that's more cocky and arrogant than confident. And that probably gets in the way of his... Uh, ability to share the ball with teammates but I will say he's been a great um, uh, a great team player the past few games where he's come in for only a few minutes and was passing the ball frequently um, shooting off the catch and and, and not um, ball hogging the way he typically does um, whether that's because of the limited minutes he's getting and he's learning his lesson or or because it's just for show for right now I'm not sure but he is being a, a great team player and he's getting up off the bench and clapping you always see him um, in those shots, like hyping up his teammates, so mm-hmm. I think he's come around a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with uh, potentially trading him and seeing what we can get out of that. The only issue would be that this year we haven't um, been able to showcase him enough to probably get good value out of him. But um, if there's nothing more than a second round pick, that's not really worth trading him away. So might as well keep him on the team and, and see how we can. Uh, yeah, he's. Yeah, he's an automatic scorer now. Uh, I, I did have a question for you because something on Twitter that's that's been going around and it's been causing some heavy debates uh, between guys like JB and John Macri who both found a Knicks film school. A lot of people are arguing about Mike Miller and whether or not we're putting too much precedence on just 11 games. Mm-hmm. Now, we of course, we see the big difference in play for the Knicks while they were under Fizdale and Mike Miller. Do you think there's being too much emphasis on the numbers or are we – are we right to do that? And right now, yeah. everything we're seeing is basically uh, we should just take it at face value. Yeah, I've seen those arguments fly around. And to me, it's kind of pe- people love to pick a lot of straw men um, arguments at each other. On one side, um, a lot of people are hyped that Mike Miller is uh, performing a lot better than Coach Fisdale, and they're attributing that to the stats and how the team has played a lot better. And on the other side, people are saying, don't get all hyped up. Um, this just looks like a team that's just transitioning away from a different coach and, and has that early motivation and just 11 games like you mentioned. Um, and also that the team isn't doing anything revolutionarily different um, than what Fisdale implemented. Uh, I disagree with that specific point, but that's a lot of the arguments going back and forth. And so I think what the initial group is trying to say is that this team is not a team of world beaters now, but they're playing up to the expectations that we had set for them before the season started, and that's exciting. No one is saying this team is going to win uh, win the championship or even make the playoffs this year, but to see them play cohesively and competently for the past 11 games is super useful. I personally don't think it's going to regress that much uh, throughout the rest of the season, which is what the, the other second group of, uh, uh, of people online are saying, uh, and that's because I'm not seeing the team you know, on a specific high right now. They don't. The team doesn't feel like they're doing anything extravagant or playing out of their minds they're actually still shooting poorly you know they're still committing a lot of turnovers 
but it's like those small decisions, calling timeouts when the other team goes on a run or, you know, calling good plays out of those timeouts mm-hmm. or, you know, putting out the proper lineups and their and the rotation to be set properly or just making sure that, you know, we're limiting the small things like Randall handling the ball, uh, making sure that we're running more pick and roll, uh, making sure that shooters are just shooting and passers are passing and, and having everybody know their role. I think those are the small, tiny things that are what that that are what's allowing this team to succeed over the past few games. And I don't see that just disappearing. If I had seen the team play out of their minds and all of a sudden everyone's shooting so well, um, players are like basically hitting the ceiling that we expected for them, I would say, okay, yeah, this is definitely unsustainable for the rest of the season. And they're doing that because somebody's lit a fire under their ass because their coach just got fired. But to me, it looks like the opposite of that. It doesn't look like there's any fire lit under anyone's ass. It just feels like we're strategically setting the team up for decent success um, throughout these games. It's like a lot of them have been grinded wins, um, but a lot of others have been ones where we should have blown up the team but ended up you know, forfeiting that lead but ultimately winning at the end of the game. So I think overall it seems like this is the baseline for the team moving forward, and I'd be surprised to see us um, – you know, end the season with a similar record like we did last year. Hmm. Yeah, I, I will never forgive this team for losing against the Wizards last week. That that was such an <laughs> embarrassing loss at home. It was. It was. Now, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I do have one more. I have a hot take. I I have a feeling, not a feeling, but like I, my hot take is, if after the February deadline, let's say early March, the front office didn't make any good. Uh, trade deadline moves and the record is still hovering around 20 low 20s I have a feeling Steve Mills is going to be fired totally no sources nothing like that just a personal gut feeling mm-hmm. I feel like Steve Mills is going to be let go maybe Scott Perry too and I feel like the the, the record isn't going to be good enough to warrant a Miller stay and whoever ends up taking over as president is going to end up hiring another coach but that's just that's just a hot take that I just put into conversation I don't know I don't know I if mean, you feel like yeah, you completely I'm okay disagree. With, I'm okay with cleaning house in general just because we need to rid this organization of some of the stink from the previous regimes. But, you know, I, I think a guy like Miller will still stick around because at the end of the day, he was instituted by Phil Jackson in the, in the G League a few years back, and he's maintained his position within different regimes so far. And I think he overall plays like a confident and competent coach so any new regime that comes in would consider him for the job um, but I will say if, if Steve Mills is gone by the end of the season for that purpose um, which I'm perfectly happy with mm-hmm. I just really hope that we're, we go with um, someone who's been a veteran GM a veteran president of basketball operations someone who knows um, how to make good deals and make good basketball decisions so that we don't have to keep like being stuck in this endless cycle of of hoping and hoping and hoping and getting nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, that about wraps it up this episode. The Knicks, I mean, it's, it's a slow season. This is a fucking grind season. Uh, their next game is January 1st against Portland. Melo's returning to the Garden. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's the rest of the season. It's going to be it's gonna be a long January. We're going we're gonna to see a lot of L's coming up. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we're back next week with uh, a couple of new nuggets of information about uh, either trades or the fact that this team is still continuing to, to progress upward. Yep.
And to all the listeners, we do have a special live stream that was recorded last week uh, with the YouTube channel's name is Nothing But Nick, so look out for that. That should be uploaded soon. We're starting a re-series of our interviews that we do with Nick's Legends, so that should be pretty cool to watch there. Basically, uh, we're, we, I did a little interview with their guy, and we talked about the episodes, and basically he's re-showing those interviews. So uh, when you get a chance, check those out. Otherwise, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nick is Show. Uh, look out for our website, which which should be coming shortly. And uh, we, we do have some cool things that we're, we're planning out for the upcoming 2020 year. This is the last episode of 2019 and this decade. So um, any yeah, last words for... Had, hope everyone had an amazing year so far. I know mine had a little, you know, ups and downs. And it was a little bit rough in 2019. But we're all jumping into 2020, this new decade. With high hopes, positivity, we're going to grind, everyone's going to achieve their dreams, and I just hope everybody out there who's listening is excited for 2020 and making sure that <laughs> they put every foot forward to make sure that they're achieving those dreams. So that's my motivational speech for the day. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go work hard right now. Uh, <laughs> Alright guys, thank you guys for listening to this 12th edition of the Nick is Show Season 2. Check us out for next week's episode, and uh, we'll see you next year. <laughs> All right, peace, guys.